welcome back to the Zero to Hear podcast. I am your host, Denny Duma. On tonight's show, what is happening in the Greater Vancouver real estate market in, uh, what was it, the end of May 2019? Is it all doom and gloom, like the media says? Are sales really that bad? Uh, no, they're not. Uh, it is slower than we've seen in the last couple of years, but it's a normal market. This is kind of what the market was in 2013, 14, where sales ratios are normal. They're not 60, 70, 80% like they were in 2016, 17. Uh, it's important to keep things in perspective, and that's kind of what we get into. The market had climbed um, 40, 50% in two years, and that is not a sustainable growth pattern. So, of course, it had to go on a little bit of a correction. That's kind of what we're seeing now. Sales are happening. They just are not happening as quickly as we have seen in the past. And we kind of get into what we are seeing on a day-to-day with the listings and clients that we have uh, going on right now. Some good insight from the team on this one, and we had a good time. So enjoy and let us know if you have any real estate-related questions. Hello, friends. Garbage Duma Real Estate Team back for round two. Uh, we are going to do a little bit of Q and A today. Actually, posted a story on Instagram and got quite a few responses. So we're gonna start. We're gonna start with one from. Uh, actually, he should probably rename name. <laughs> it should be nameless. <laughs> yeah, I thought we went over this already. Uh. Someone say something intellectual about the real estate market while I pull this up. Was that the question? All right. Good talk, guys. Uh, No, here it is. If your entire real estate team ran as far as they could, could Jamie beat the combined total? Thoughts? No. No. Expand and also talk into the microphone. So, so if Jamie just ran for, was it 22 hours straight? Uh, to, so Jamie just ran in Portugal on an island that had 6,000 meter elevation for 118 kilometers in 21 and a half hours after deal, battling pneumonia for six weeks. And, and so we're, we're placing this on a distance constraint, not a time constraint, right? Who could run the furthest? That is correct. According to the question, how much further do we think Jamie could run than he did run and how many kilometers? was it? So this is the problem with Jamie. I think if we each run our longest distance and we have a total that he needs to beat, he'll beat it. He's just going to beat it. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It'll be four if days. He knows of it it's fine. Ahead of time. Yeah. But does he get to go first or do we have to go? <laughs> yeah, I, feel I, think, like... I think for the point of this challenging question, I think, I think no, because of your competitiveness, do... you would, decide to run farther than what do you usually run three kilometers uh that's incorrect (laughs) (laughs) so i could see you running very far and then we would just have to pick up the scraps i think i could probably handle more than three i i I have some mental toughness and resilience i can turn off the muscles and go i'm good for like five feet longer than whoever else runs the the longest well and adam would run pretty you're gonna win from our team out of our team i would win i'd run the farthest. okay and Adam with shoes on. Hang on a socks. second, because I want to explore this a little bit. What does your current athletic training look like? Bold statement, Monica. 
I have to, I'd say like three days a week, I do something athletic. <laughs> With like give smile. us an example. <laughs> <laughs> Is this another pumping the gas? You can't be pumping gas or put your groceries. <laughs> If you haven't watched Pomo Life, you need to check it out because this is why we're exploring this question. Such as? Well, obviously, I take the groceries into my house every oh day. God, after all, I gotta go, go grocery shopping like twice a week. But do How you many stairs? Well, it's one flight of stairs just up to my kitchen from the garage. But a flight of stairs containing two, so that's two or less just... stairs? or. So what you're saying is you're in peak performance in shape. Peak performance shape. Best shape of my life. Of your life. <laughs> All right. Wow. Well. I think we're going to have to test this one out. We're going to have to test this one out. You'll all run the Next Garmin Duma podcast <laughs> is going to be it's on the run. The day after the run. We're all going to do our best. For Adam, it might be like three, four, or five kilometers. Monica's going to do five kilometers and five feet. <laughs> Lucas just recently ran 20. Yeah, so 27, you, actually. 27 in one day? Yeah. I you. think I can put in 20 minimum. I was you. not aware that of that nice? number before I answered earlier. <laughs> of what number? That's 27. <laughs> <laughs> Monica's like, I'm going to stick with my five and five feet. Sean? How far could I run? Yeah. What are you contributing to the team here for yeah. the... I think I'd be the anchor. I think I would outrun Monica by an extra five feet. <laughs> so... <laughs> I, I think uh, 27 kilometers. So basically there's feet. three battling for last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So I'm going to summarize and say Jamie would likely win. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, real estate wise, from our last podcast, basically what we got was the market was slow. We were hoping that the spring would pick up a little bit. Duplexes were the slowest. Hoping to hear some update on that, Sean. You'd be surprised. (laughs) Uh, What is happening right now, guys? Give me a summary. Give me like a 30-second summary. Adam. Um, I would say it's starting to take longer to negotiate and close a deal. Um, So instead of just expecting within a day, uh, now we're seeing up to a week of negotiations at times. Has the spring market picked up like we were hopeful that it would? No, it has not. Not as usually this is the big busiest time of the year. Yes, it has picked up compared to the months previous, but not to the extent that we are hoping or expecting it to. It has picked up, but not as much. Lucas? I agree. Other than this last weekend, it seemed to get a bit busier, which is great. And Lucas is just gloating. I am. Yeah. Lucas had three accepted offers in the last two days, so yeah. he's excited. I'm ready. Let's go. Cool. I'm running out of listings, though. But that's okay. <laughs> it's a good problem to have. That's not a bad problem to have. <clears throat> One interesting stat to actually mention here. I think at the peak of 20, maybe like early 2018, I looked on Real Estate Board of Greater Vancouver, and there was a little over 15,000 realtors in Greater Vancouver. Did wow. I tell you this, Carl? And as of last week, there was 14,200. So about 1,000 realtors have said, you know what? (laughs) This craziness is over. I actually need to work for a living. I'm out of here. Which I'm on board with. Mm -hmm. Real estate is not 
easy. Although in the last couple of years, it has appeared that way. I would like to just, I would like our reputation to come back to like, we are real workaholics that don't turn our phones off. We are not just people that show up and sign a listing for our cousin and make a shit ton of money and drive a BMW and run away. Am I the only one that thinks that? All right. I think there's hundred <clears throat> percent. I think there's more to be said than just showing up and doing a hard, good job. I think in these times, that's when we shine because we're super honest. We're not just doing the deal just to get the deal done. Mm-hmm. If the deal doesn't work out because the property's not great or because it's not big enough or whatever the case is, we're completely honest about that. And I think that's that's what really shows in these type of times. That's a good point. I think um, a lot of realtors right now are very doom and gloom. Like, oh my God, the market's so slow. I have zero listings. What am I going to do this year for income? True. I look at it the exact opposite way in Me terms too. of like, this is the greatest opportunity of my career so far to be able to show people how much like worth we actually have. And so doing things correctly, marketing the shit out of listings Mm -hmm. actually works. We get more people into C properties. We sell quicker than the average agent in greater Vancouver. So I see it as like a big opportunity and I'm pumped about it to be honest. Sure. Our uh, income is going to be a lot less this year than it was the last couple of years. But long-term, we get a lot of opportunity this year to take over listings that haven't sold in the last six months and show why we are really good at what we do. I agree. All right. It's true, though. Like <laughs> yeah. the, It is an opportunity, and I think people look at it the wrong way. If you stay more positive at it and do what you enjoy, like, I love enjoy the mar- I, I enjoy the marketing aspect of it all and having fun with it through social media and that's starting to actually showcase itself and people are looking at that and go, Oh, what is he doing now? How are you doing that? I'm getting those questions now. And that's good. And, and yeah, like I think the industry is going to shake out a bit. Like you said, some people are exiting. Uh, <clears throat> some realtor, realtors will have the same attitude that you have. See it as a opportunity uh, is a challenge um, and see it in a positive lens rather than seeing it in a negative lens. And that's just how it all shapes up. Some people are going to be middle of the pack. They're going to keep through it and stay there. Uh, some who are maybe not as top echelon will exit, drop out, and then some people will rise to the top and, and that gap will only get greater as we get to kind of pick up the scraps of the people who are ex- exiting. I think it just forces people to improve, to mm-hmm. get better. Mm-hmm. Like the last couple of years were easy for a lot of people in our industry. And now that it's not that easy, people don't know what to do, but like you can get better. You can market better. You can prospect better. You can go door knock. You can do a lot more things than you were doing in the easy times because deals just came to you and it was easy. And you get a chance to self-reflect as well. I mean, the great part about this quote unquote slow period is the fact that we get more chance to actually hang out with our clients and get some feedback and actually use that feedback to get even better. I mean, yeah, doing 160 deals versus 115, you know, we still did a great job for the 160, but with the 115, we get a chance to spend more time with them, get more feedback and use that feedback into getting better for when we get up to the 200 mark. Great point. And then me just being a, a newbie to the industry and this all happening within my very first year, I've literally never seen a, a good strong market. So 
um, for me, it's like, yeah, financially, it's it's terrible. But in terms, of, <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of actually uh, making me the best realtor I can be long term, it, it's it's the best it's the best way to go about it all. Um, and it's again just seeing seeing it through that lens, like like I just mentioned, like I could look at that and be like, okay, well, I I picked the wrong time. I guess I should go back to my other job or just find another job that can easily get me that weekly income coming in that I know is coming in. Uh, but instead, like I knew that I was around a team that's at least going to have something for me. Um, and I, and I just saw it as actually a great opportunity if I wanted to do this long-term, which I do. Um, so I figured let's, let's suck it up. Let's see what this can bring to me. Let's see what I can make out of it. And I think people who do bring the right attitude in it, they're, they're only going to be, you know, leveraged way better than they were before all of this happened. If they have the right attitude. As we're in a slower period, talking specifically to like colleagues, so realtors in the industry, what would our advice, not that we are dominating in any way, but like what would our advice or um, be to people who are looking at it at an, as a very negative? So saying the market's slow, I don't know what to do, I have no deals on my in my horizon. What would our advice be to them? Helpful positive optimistic advice adam i think think just change the language change the language and the mindset every day change to change the the language in your own head and change the language that you use with your clients this is a normal market what would a normal realtor anywhere in the world anywhere in north america what would a normal realtor do every morning they'd reach out to their clients they'd check in they'd do um, like lead sourcing. They would connect with their old clients, connect with old clients, yeah. just change the language and change the mindset. It's it, to me, it seems really simple, slow, reach out to somebody who came and looked at the property two months ago. If you've had the listing for six months, call up somebody who saw it two months ago and say, Hey, have they bought yet? Why not <laughs> send an offer? <laughs> I think another thing to keep in mind and Monica's hundred percent, right? Just go out there and do the job is if I were to talk to that same agent, I'd say we're in the exact same position as you. The market hasn't just slowed down for you, it's slowed down for everyone. I mean, use this as an opportunity to connect with people who are doing very well in a really downturn market and see what they're doing. You know, reach out, find out what the benchmark is, find out how you can, you know, leverage that benchmark and make it even better. This is a time to explore your field and master it. So if you have time and you're not busy with clients, master the profession figure it out get out there ask questions i think that's a good point is like look at what people in your area are doing that are six that are doing well that are selling dozens of properties a month what are they doing they're active on social media they're marketing the hell out of their business and they're prospecting like crazy right it's not rocket science in our industry but putting in the work though that's totally there's a lot of opportunity out there it's just if you're expecting people to it just be super easy like it was in 2016, <laughs> yeah, welcome back to reality. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. <laughs> if you had listings, listing side, the buying side was a nightmare. Anyway, uh, so we talked about opportunity for realtors. What about opportunities for clients? Where is the opportunity right now? Because with any with any slow period, there's going to be opportunity. What type of product, what type of scenario are people winning right now? Do you want to say what type of product or what type of neighborhood? 
because I can give you answers for both. Let's uh, hear them. So, in terms of the <laughs> biggest Jesus, win, Sean. Christ, pick up, pick one already. It's cool. <laughs> Jesus. In terms of <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sorry, I'll get there, Lucas. Oh my God. Uh, in terms of biggest areas and biggest wins, Vancouver West is a huge win for people. We're seeing properties that were listed for four million dollars selling for three point three. Now. Yes, not everybody's going were to be they listing or selling at four million. Previously? They were listed at four million, selling for three point three. But what were they previously selling at, though? For those ones, they were so in the hot markets in 2015, 16, and somewhat of said twenty seventeen. They were selling for the four million. They were selling over asking. Now what's happening is everything selling below asking, and they're at a discounted rate. I mean, for example, uh, a place in Shaughnessy off of West Twenty Seventh. You know the. Purchaser bought it for substantially more than what they listed it for. I mean, that it listed for 4.4, then it went down to 4.2, and now it was listed for 3.8. So, I mean, it's almost 600,000 less than what they originally posted it for. How are people taking advantage of that, though? So, keep in mind, like, our audience and our clientele with our team is like 30 somethings, a lot of them, right? Right. So, how do people take advantage of? the current market. A lot of them aren't spending three and a half million dollars on a house today. True. So where do they, where do they find deals and opportunity? Well, I think that's a really good question. I mean, it may not be a house in the same neighborhood in Vancouver was, but I mean, it could be a condo. Condos have also come down quite a bit. Attached housing, duplexes, row houses. Uh, those are viable options for people in that 600 to maybe 1.2 range, which is very affordable, quote unquote, for Vancouver standards. I mean, you could buy a similar house a single detached house in New Westminster for 1.2, a very nice one too. So, I mean, people who are in that 600 to 1.2 range, they have tons of options. They can move around the lower mainland quite a bit. And I think that's the nice thing because it's turned into a buyer's market. So they have more options for where they can buy. Um, Luxury properties, I mean, those are huge, huge discounts for those. Um, People starting off for the one bedrooms, there's discounts on those. Two bedrooms, discounts on those. It just depends on where they want to be. Monica, Lucas? Uh, I was just going to say quick that uh, I've noticed just a little bit different on your question, just a, a different answer in regards to the opportunity has been say it already. a lot of my clients. <laughs> so a lot of my deals this year have been the shift where a, a seller is selling in order to go and buy. So they're moving up the ladder and that's been a, a quite a few of my deals this year. And that's where the opportunity is. Yeah, you may lose a little bit on the sale, but you can also get a great value while you're moving up the ladder into something else that you've always wanted to get into. And like that opportunity is golden right now for everybody. Agree. I think that's where the biggest opportunities are for yeah. a lot of young families, young couples Exactly. is their condo maybe has lost 5% value in the last 12 months, but the houses that they're looking to buy, that gap has gotten a lot smaller. The houses are down 15 to 20%. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to see this type of scenario for an, like for a long time moving forward. So I, th- I think really good opportunity for a lot of young couples and families that are thinking about upsizing. This is it. I think so. I think so too. I think it's a, it's a very unique opportunity. A lot of people haven't seen, especially our age. I had someone message me today actually. Yeah. And they said, uh, their searches were basically for townhouses up to 900 K. Yeah. And he's now like, they're... Hey, can you show me what single family homes are? And I was mm-hmm. like, I told you that three weeks ago. Like, let's look at single family homes and maybe get a basement suite. And then you're like net income basically. Yeah. And so I, I set them up on, 
some single family searches. And within three minutes, he had texted me. He's like, man, this thing <laughs> looks amazing for 850K or whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. There, I think there's a lot of deals out there for single family homes right now. Only I, a piece I, of land. I agree. Big it, time. It's been a long time since I've heard single family house for 850,000. I know. I mean, two bedrooms hit almost 700,000 in US. I know. So single family well, house 850,000. Above that. The steal. Look at Pier West. Remember Pier West? 750,000 for one bedroom? Uh, 625. I saw 750. Not for one bedroom. For one bedroom, no Pier way. West? No joke. I will fight you on that. <laughs> Bring it up while we're talking. I want to see it. Carl, pause everything. We're having a fight. <laughs> <laughs> no, keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's, it's, it's unreal that you could have bought a one bedroom condo. Mind you, it's a brand new place, Pure West. It's supposed to be built by Bosa. Has a great it's supposed reputation. Supposed to be built by Bosa. Who really built it's, it? It'll be built by Bosa. You never know what's going to happen in the amendments, people. <laughs> but that being said, I mean, it, it's great. I mean, you get a chance to see houses that are affordable again, right? So now, now is a chance to take that leap and jump into your single family house. Now is yep. the time to yep. upgrade. 100%. Do you think we need to be careful of using the words affordable? Because I think affordable is an appropriate word for someone who's upsizing, who has built some equity in their condo over the last three years and is now able to jump into a single family home. But someone who's just starting out going to a eight, nine hundred thousand dollar million dollar single family home is unachievable. Like it's very, very difficult. So I always, I'm always careful about the word affordable. You put it in perspective, looking at the greater Vancouver real estate market as a whole. Yes. The numbers seem affordable based on the last 24 months. But is it really affordable? Spending a million dollars on a teardown in a suburb of Vancouver? But affordable is really about somebody's mindset and being realistic with what they can general Affordable is a general term, though. It's saying for the general population, this should be achievable. And And it isn't. Far from. True. Denny, I think you bring up a great point about affordability. I mean... Just to kind of jump into the economics of things on a very small, minute scale, the cost of living has gone up for Vancouver. I mean, you've seen taxes for homes go up like crazy. I mean, before it used to be three, four, five thousand dollars, which is still pretty expensive, has gone up to twelve thousand dollars to twenty plus thousand dollars per year, right? So, I mean, I'll use a simple example: a cost of one apple, maybe it was five cents, maybe it was ten cents. Now, one apple costs a dollar thirteen after taxes. Right, so if we're looking at people who are getting paid sixty to hundred thousand dollars, you know the cost of living has gone up, so affordability has gone down. So you're right. Can we use the word affordable? It depends on the person. It depends with the type of budget that you're working with. And I think Lucas was right as well. I'm always right. <laughs> Joking. I did get my property tax today too. I got my side last note. And my taxes have gone up eight hundred dollars in two years. My property taxes. So it's just going. Maybe the mayor has. That was the quietest sentence I've ever heard. What was that? Mine's up too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, there's on this topic of affordability, there's a lot of legislation that's come in in the last couple of years, whether it be like provincial taxes, stress tests, et cetera. That would be a provincial tax. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Smartest the guy in the room, everybody. Sean. So, <laughs> let's talk about the stress test for a second. Hold on. 
I want to say in general, it are, is the government, local governments on the right track in terms of improving affordability on housing in greater Vancouver? No. <laughs> Question or comment? <laughs> Monica has the best laugh on the team. I will give her that 100,000%. It's so good. You have to elaborate on that one one answer. I'm asking your opinion, not just a single word answer. It's not a fucking Scantron. A, B, C. Scantrons, guys. Remember Scantrons? Oh, man. Some of us do. Still to this day. So, elaborate. No. So your opinion is no. Let's hear it. No. Like he just said, an apple is $1.13. Then that's at Starbucks. Yeah. Yeah. You probably shouldn't be buying apples at Starbucks first off. The Lucas's grocery store, taxes went up $800. Apples are $1.13. No. Gas? The Starbucks gas. Ga- yeah. Gas? Okay, we're talking about real estate. Well, it, why, why are these proposed taxes that are coming in that are saying this is going to help the government, the whoever the hell they are? What are their names? Premiers? Premier. Be- Canada's weird for names like that. Anyway, these taxes that the premier is bringing in, saying this is going to help make Vancouver more affordable. They're not, from my perspective. But, like, why (laughs) are these things coming in that are not helping? Or why are they not helping? Why is the luxury tax not helping? Why is the foreign buyer tax not helping? I think that there's so many different things to take into consideration when answering this question. Um, I was at a book launch last week uh, for Larry Beasley. He was, um, (laughs) it's important though. So he kind of coined the term Vancouverism. So he was the city planner at that time that Concord Pacific bought out uh, most of False Creek. So when he was asking questions at the end of his book launch, you know, one of the questions that was asked was, you know, what about affordability? What are city planners going to do for affordability? And, you know, part of what he said was they were, they were exposed to this problem that nobody was ready for, this influx of foreign investment in Vancouver. So, I mean, is there an easy answer for making everything affordable? Not were at we, all. Were we not ready? We were not ready for Why the- was everyone so confused about this? This is literally in the top three cities in the world to live consistently for the last 10 years. Of course. Could Why we- does no one think that people are going to want to live here? And see, that's... Where the problem lies. So, I mean, if we're looking at Expo 86 and we're looking at the immigration rates after that, they well, spike quite a bit. I was born, Sean. But that's the thing. So we're looking at times where <laughs> Vancouver was on the world stage. I mean, Expo 86 was a huge, huge thing for us. I mean, that's when we got the SkyTrain. That's when we were connected to so many different cities within a half an hour. Right. So, I mean, then we're looking at the Olympics. And I mean, if we look at the immigration rates after the Olympics, they weren't as great as they were after Expo 86. So, I mean, nobody really saw it coming. Which is sad because we should have, because we're on the world stage, right? So, I mean, if you look at affordability, is it just housing? Is it is it the cost of living? Is it the amount of industry we have? Is it the jobs? Is it the pay scale? Like, what exactly are we talking about when we talk affordability? And I think that's why it's so hard to answer. But outside of housing, what is, like, priced higher than anywhere else in Canada? Everything. Being from being from Alberta, gas, groceries, insurance, everything, cost of like rent, literally everything you the buy. Rent is housing. That's why he's wearing? Yeah, I know, I know. But I'm just saying. I'm saying like literally everything. That's why he's wearing flip flops today. Yeah. And, what yeah. is happening? And socks. He's wearing flip flops and socks, guys. 
That's what rich Fair. people cost wear. the shoes. Mm-hmm. We should call a friend right now and get a second opinion on Adam's socks because yeah. I'm not excited about it. I'm open to Monica it. almost threw up. Yeah. Okay. I feel like Alex D'Angelo is going to be getting a call from us. <laughs> um, I'd no. like to touch on the affordability and why those policy changes didn't uh, actually solve it. Adam, the stage is yours. Thank you. Um, I think that <clears throat> the government obviously has to make efforts because it is one of the biggest item, one of the biggest political items right now. And especially if you're wanting to win or stay in house, you like it's one of the biggest agendas is everyone who lives in Vancouver, especially people who don't own yet want to own and want to be able to own. And it's not possible for a lot of people or they don't feel like it's achievable. Government needs to do something if they don't do anything. They're the out. government tried doing something. I, I know that. So they need to do something. Yeah. So they're going to do something. It wasn't the right answer, but they didn't have a better answer. It wasn't the right answer. They tried. There isn't. I don't know. I don't, I don't think there is a there, right answer because of what we just said. Well, yeah, there, I'm, I'm sure there is, but it, it is always going to be more expensive to live in Vancouver than it is in Calgary. Calgary is always going to be more expensive than Edmonton. Edmonton is going to be more expensive than Winnipeg. And so we're only going to go so low and so then there has to be a line of where affordability is. And I don't know if it if it's instead of trying to bring bring down housing, bring up what we're able to earn and take away some of our other extra costs. Um, I don't think it's bringing down housing because the reality is it's always going to be more expensive to to buy real estate here than anywhere else in Canada and, mo- and a lot of North America. So I don't think it's a quick fix or a quick policy on real estate and on taxing real estate i think it's got to be more of a holistic approach um multi-pronged do you know what the turnaround time for a building permit in vancouver is right now what's the turnaround time for a building permit denny any guesses i'm gonna say you know the answer i'm gonna say eight months eight weeks that's insane it used to be over a year it's two years yeah it used to be a year it dropped down to about eight months then i went back up to two didn't it it's insanity Two years for a building permit. To get a building permit. For what? Anything? Anything. Two years. Yeah. Yeah. It's but uh, is it city from city to city? Well, yeah. Every city moves differently. New Ast is probably the slowest moving city of all well, time. Because all they do is retire. P.S. Anyone that is working at the city of New Ast, I love you because you gave me a building permit for <laughs> 132 Oakland. After two years. And I love you. Uh so the other thing to keep in mind for Vancouver is you have densification because there's tons of people moving in. Not only that, uh, just a few months ago, they stated that RS1 zonings can convert into duplexes and in some cases, fourplexes. That's and Vancouver specific, right? Vancouver yeah. specific. And I think in some cases, sixplexes. So this would be a home, a basement suite, and also a laneway house as well. So on each side, um, you'd be having three suites. Or sorry, three different uh, residences. So I mean, that's one of the reasons why some people are complaining that the resources aren't there. The amount of electricity, sewage, and all that stuff needs to get upgraded. Just adding to what you're saying. So that might be one of the reasons why it's gone up to two years. But um, just to kind of add on to what today's podcast is not sponsored by Steel and Oak. Not. Sponsored by Steel not, and Oak. Steel and Oak did not pay a cent for this. They did the not finest pay brewery one in US. cent. Did not pay anything. But our fridge is full of it. They do have some good guys down there. I do like the people there. Uh, Could I add on to what Adam was saying though about affordability? Yes. Um, 
Yeah, quickly. Okay, cool. I'll make it super quick. So, I mean, one thing to keep in mind is generational. Uh, in the 50s and 60s, you noticed homes had three beds up, one washroom, and then an empty basement downstairs, 70s, wider lots, bigger houses, more entertaining. entertaining. 90s, absolute massive homes with three stories. Stucco. Stucco. That didn't work well. They love stucco and their tile roofs. <laughs> tile roofs. Tile yes. roofs. The thing of the 90s, one of the greatest things ever. But um, the other thing that we need to keep in mind is as realtors, we love sales. And that's what Vancouver has been after for the longest time is sales. I think some cities we need to keep an eye on are New York because they went from buying real estate to not being able to attain any real estate. And now it's a renter's market. So, I mean, if we think about affordability, you know, is affordability buying and owning land or is affordability just being able to pay to live in that piece of property, right? Is it a mindset mm. shift or is it a mind? Yeah, mindset shift. Well, okay, you bring up New York. New York, like London, like Tokyo. A lot of big cities around the world. Where is a single family house with a backyard? Where are they do they exist? No. They're on the outskirts because what happens exactly. is city planners build upwards because you can only build upwards so much. But what is this like mythological dream that everyone has in Vancouver that they are entitled to own a piece of land? At UBC. Where does professor- this come from? A UBC professor actually talked on this a few months ago about single family homes and how they're a thing of the past and that densification is the future. So, I mean, it could be how we grew up in Vancouver, right? Like we just talked about a few minutes ago, Vancouver just came to the world stage and everybody was used to their single family houses. Now all of a sudden multifamily homes are going up everywhere, right? So, I mean, maybe we're slow to change our mind and realize that maybe multifamily is the way to go. I think it's the only, in, in terms of affordability, it's the only way to go, right? You can't just keep taxing the shit out of stuff for no reason. Oh, you only live in your house for six months a year? Yeah. Tax. <laughs> <laughs> like you aren't a Canadian citizen? Tax. I, I think. You work here? Doesn't matter. Not Canadian citizen. Yeah. Screw you. Yeah. Tax. Like it's, it's just a silly yeah, I agree. We we live in what's trying to be a world-class city and we're going to pay world-class city real estate prices and everybody but we're not just not even close to, to that right now. But that's where it's going. All exactly. the everybody that lived in places like Toronto, New York, Tokyo, all the places that you mentioned, all had this argument that we're having in the 70s. But what did they do? Well, they couldn't do anything. They conformed. No, they, well, moved. they built. They moved and they built up. Exactly. If they didn't like it, they moved and then developers built up. That's it. But I think that has to be the answer, right? Like, of course, people that are 75 years old, that grew up in Greater Vancouver, that owned a house in Carisdale that cost them $36,000, don't want to see land assemblies and condos going up. Sure. Yeah. But what they don't understand is if they... <laughs> were working their job that they were in the 60s, 50s, and tried to buy a $4 million house, doesn't, right? Nope. I think Vancouver is at the point now where we are on the verge of becoming a very big global city, even though our population's fairly small right now. But the the problem is supply. That's why we had two crazy years. It wasn't because of foreign investment. In my opinion... That number was a lot smaller than what the media actually said it was. The media said like 5 to 10%, and I think that was ridiculous. I think it was like 1%. It was really small, in my opinion. And I think you're right. I think we also need to look at the definitions that they use, because so many of the facts can be skewed. 
I mean, you can use whatever numbers you want, but I mean, maybe there was vehicles used in order to get that property. Maybe 1% of it was owned by a Canadian resident, whereas 99% share was a foreign investor or vice versa. Do you think that number is that like as big as the media talked about it though? The 5%? Yeah, I, think I, saw, it's, I saw articles that were up to 10%. Possibly. possibly. Do you think that's accurate? Real estate sales in Greater Vancouver, you think 10% were foreign investors. And the way that these, like, they're talking about China, right? Let's just be honest. They're talking about China. They're not talking about Europeans. They they brought the tax in for China. And it is, in my opinion, pretty racist. It's discriminatory, yes. I definitely agree because we have people from the U.S. buying property here as well, right? So now all of a sudden... But that number is so small. And that's exactly what it is. It depends on the narrative that they're using, right? I mean, you could pull out numbers from the blue and try to spin your own narrative on it. I mean, could it have been higher? Possibly. Higher than 10%. What do you mean possibly, though? Possibly, right? Like, where, where, where is the information that supports a yes for that answer? But that's what I'm saying. I'll have to do the research on it to give you an answer. But here's uh, the thing. I think if it's we're a looking lot at, smaller than what people thought. I, I think, think it is the too. entire problem was the supply is so low. There's a lot of people that want to live in our city. The prices are going to go up. It just, like, obviously. We had to look at it city by city specific. So, I mean, it, people's thoughts were specifically on Vancouver per se. But it's a trickle down, right? And that's exactly what it is. So then people started to encompass Burnaby into it and encompass Surrey into it, New Westminster and all that stuff. But, I mean, for that 10% in Vancouver, chances are, yes. But for other parts like Burnaby, New Westminster, you're right, it's a trickle-down effect. So maybe that number is diluted. Maybe that's why it ended up at 5%, and then maybe a little bit less as a whole for all the other areas. But like I said, I'd have another research on it myself, (laughs) so I can't say for sure. But yeah, I I think it's extremely discriminatory. Any foreign buyers, I mean, there's loopholes for that. You can easily get around that. There's students here from abroad. When I use them to purchase properties, people just got their PRs. They're related to them. Buy property through them as well. I mean, there's so many ways to get past that foreign buyer's tax. And again, so many loopholes. Carl, this is hilarious, right? So many loopholes. Uh, BC government brings in 15% foreign buyer tax. The next year, they figure out that there's loopholes. So their solution is to increase it to 20%. Perfect. That'll get them. Problem solved. (laughs) That's it. You're telling the truth? We're going to tax you some more. (laughs) Anyway, let's move on. I could lose my mind over this shit. Uh, Should we take a question from the audience? (laughs) Yes. Who is it from? Um, Subject A. I'm not going to say any names. No names. No names. I wonder the nickname. Let's see. Where's a good one? Bugs Bunny? Like Bugs Bunny. There's one that we basically almost talked about. Uh, is it better? Is a better time to buy or sell? Uh, is there a better opportunity to upsize or downsize? We talked about that. Um, actually, I think that one's pretty interesting, though, because I'm working with a client right now that's actually looking to downsize. Yeah, and well, my thought on it is, it's easy or. Let me rephrase Still that. Still tough sell. What to downsize? I'd say it's an interesting time to downsize you because your your home has lost more value than what you'd be buying. I'm assuming they're going to like a larger style condo. 
So your home, your single family home has lost more value in the last year than your condo. But it's an interesting transition for people like that because moving is a big deal. A lot of these people that are downsizing have been in their homes for 20, 30 years. And the move is very stressful. And so if you sell first, it's going to take a couple months. Like a lot of homes are sitting on the market two, three, four months right now. So it's difficult to plan a downsize right now. Unless you have a, a, a lot of cash that you can buy, move into your th- new place, and then just wait for the place to sell. It's Which a is difficult rare, transition. Most, most of those most age need demographics. The out. Yeah, yeah, of course. They, yeah. Yeah. So That's where I the have a theory sits. about that, though. Okay. Um, theory? Do you have any evidence? I have theory or fact? I have facts. There you go. I have facts and theories. It's all jumbled together. <laughs> um, so for starters, Denny, you mentioned when downsizing people live in their home for about 20 years. If they've lived in it for 20 years and they're downsizing right now, yes, maybe they would have got 1.3 for their detached a few years ago. And maybe they're only getting a million dollars for it now. But they still saved a boatload of cash and made a fantastic decision to buy detached 20 years ago. That was the most epic decision to buy a detached home. You've got 800, sometimes $900,000 of equity. And yes, you're buying an expensive condo or whatever that you decide to buy. But did you know 20 years ago when you bought your house for $90,000 that you could sell it for $900,000? No. That was a fantastic business decision. It wasn't 1.3, like maybe your neighbor, but it was still a really, really good retirement decision. So take your million dollars, buy your condo. See you later. I agree. But okay, let's... I like that. Great way to think. Reverse engineer this a little bit. Someone calls us. They are thinking about downsizing. They're saying, we're ready to do it. We could do it today or we could do it in three years from now. We're not in a hurry. Is the, I think what the question was actually asking was, is this the right time to do it or should we wait another year or two? If you're looking to buy, buy now because the prices are the lowest they've been in a very long time. If you're looking to sell, if you can buy and hold onto your property, I'd recommend that. But if you have to sell in order to buy, why not buy now? You're buying at a discount right now. You're buying at a huge discount right now. In terms of sales, I mean, if you lost with the right team, you can get the most amount of money for your property as possible. <laughs> what, what kind Sean, of team would not, that be? This is not an advertising blog. platform. <laughs> this is an informational platform. We're just trying to provide people with information. <laughs> Sean, don't say your Sean, phone I number. I love it. I love it. I love it. Sean, no email addresses. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is a good question here. Is the media accurately reporting the new market reality or are they over-exaggerating? Take it with a grain of salt. They're they're looking for a story, obviously. They want something that they can write, that they can spin, and that they can blow into big It depends what the media is saying. If the media is saying that the prices have dropped, yes, they have dropped. But nobody can tell what the future has in store. So, I mean, I can tell you it's a discount right now to buy but other than that, take it with a grain of salt. And I, I don't think that they're putting out any 
totally out to lunch stories or anything that's really stretched from the truth. I think they're saying a lot of just the numbers of what's happening, but they aren't interpreting those numbers, which is maybe a good thing. They aren't what? Interpreting. 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 I did say interpreting, and it didn't sound right as I was saying it. You do see that a lot of stuff that media is putting together, though, is what people or what the media is not saying right now is that there is actually three different markets. There's a condo market, townhouse market, and a house market. That is the reality right now. Yeah, that's very fair. when you hear some stories out there, they're putting them all together Mm -hmm. and making the stats based on that. And that's what I'm saying. And also generalizing the area as like greater Vancouver. Again, you have three markets and you have a bunch of different cities who have different things going on. Mm -hmm. Every city has got its own market. Every city has got three different markets. That's what's not being told Mm -hmm. that I'm seeing right now. Yeah, and, and I just feel like they aren't telling much. Like, a lot of it is just numbers. Yeah. Vancouver real estate sales are down, down. 25%. Exactly, which is together. And what, where, right. what are we talking about? So, it's it's numbers. Yeah. Are those numbers false? No. Is it, but they're just being put misleading. out. It's uh, yeah, and it's not even misleading because it's just open for interpretation. Yeah, it's very misleading. Because they're not, yeah. they're not giving you the time frame. They're not giving you the area. They're saying Greater Vancouver. They're not giving you the sales stats are down twenty five percent. Is that from like May first, twenty nineteen, compared to May first, twenty eighteen? Mm-hmm. Is that the month of April? Is that the first four months of the year? Like they're not saying where they're getting this data. They're just saying yeah. we have a stat that shows this, so we're gonna pump the system full of like fear right and that's completely it you can use the stats to spin your narrative but the nice thing is at least it opens up conversation with their clients because i mean they always mm-hmm. ask me is now a good time to buy or sell like what's happening the market's come down so much i heard in the news this this and that yeah and it's perfect segue for me to jump into what my stats show so let the news say what they're saying yeah, what do, you, what do your stats show? Yeah. I pull my stats from Paragon, okay? I pull it from neighborhoods that they're looking for. And his weekly stat? Well, here's the thing. I, five, I think four, what it is is you have three, to look at the two, neighborhood that you're buying four. in. You can find the stats for that specific neighborhood, and they might mm-hmm. show something different than what the news is saying, right? I mean, for example, Dunbar, out of Vancouver West, that's the most active neighborhood. I mean, one-third of the sales over the last three months have been in Dunbar. But all of a sudden, Vancouver West, everything's slow. Everything's yada, yada, yada. It depends which neighborhood you're looking in. Right? So, yeah, the news is great, but you have to figure out what's been told. Exactly. Speaking of conversations with clients. Trust. (laughs) I already know what your question is. What? (laughs) He said trust. Can you expand on that? (laughs) No. I will once you ask a question. The question... This is going to make you look like an idiot. So. <laughs> what are you not able to attain with your clients? <laughs> Don't worry about it. There goes my phone. Okay. Conversation with the clients. I feel like the, more than ever, the term assessed value yeah. comes up more in conversation than anything. What, what are clients saying about assessed value? What is our interpretation of a BC assessed value right now? We would like to buy the house less than the assessed value. That's what clients are saying. That's so what purchasers are saying, we look at the assessed value, we want to buy less. Yep. 
that's a losing situation right now for them. Oh yeah. That would, is what I would say. Because the assessments only take into account what have the recent sales been in the neighborhood. And sometimes recent sales are six plus months ago. As of 12 months ago. True. The current assessed values. And then the other thing that they don't understand is when assessments are done, it's only done from the streetscape. They don't go into the homes. They don't see what's been renovated. They don't see what's been updated in the house. Exactly. That is actually correct. I've been called multiple times by someone that claims to work for BC Assessment and says, hey, uh, I see a home sold here on this uh, street over here. And um like you uh, to explain why. I'm like, what? <laughs> Who is this? <laughs> How do you get my number? <laughs> Are you looking to buy you, sell you, something? You right can't now? buy it again. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's value. Monica, Adam. What percentage of clients bring it up? 100%. That many? I don't, I yes. don't think it's 100%. I'd oh. say like 60. No, you guys are all lying. It's 100%. No. Oh, of, of, of sellers. It's of clients, period. Are you guys serious? Okay, yeah. hold on. Let's do this. 30 to 40, 100. Every, every, <laughs> list, every listing appointment. 60. Denny, every listing appointment you've been in with me. Wow. That low, eh? You guys I think are it's getting, higher than 50 for me. They're getting better yeah, listing appointments saying, than I am. I'm saying 60%. Bring it up. But then again, it's, yeah. Okay. Here's, Denny, hold on. You're saying 60? I'm saying 60. What if I change mine to 63? That's fine. I'm just saying a 60. going to change a 63. Okay, no. six, six out of 10. 100%. <laughs> I know it's going to be really hard for Denny because he goes on so many listing appointments. But Denny, try yeah. to think to the ones that you've gone on with me. They bring it in every, every single listing appointment. First of all, you're right. I do go on a lot. Thank you for pointing that out. I'd say Humble. 60 to 70. <laughs> Not everyone. A lot of people are like, what's your opinion? It depends on the relationship, right? So if it, if it's past clients that we've worked with before and they trust us and they know who we are, often it's just, where do I sign? What is my place worth? What is your opinion? Okay, great. Let's do that. If it's someone you've never met before, maybe they bring up the assessed value or maybe they know that their neighbor sold for this a year and a half ago, so they want that. So it's more like educating them a little bit. But I think it, it varies. And and I think a reason why mine might be a little lower is because I think I beat them to the punch a lot of the times because I'll have it set up in my CMA. Being proactive. Yeah, being proactive rather than nice. reactive. Right. It's uh, I'll have it just set up in my CMA and, and it is there. It is like the, the tax uh, the assessment value is listed right there. It's one of the first things I go over. I show them when they bought the property, what it was valued at. Then it comes to their assessed value. And usually I'll... Go over, I'll say, yeah, hey, this is the assessed value. Just so you know, if I was doing an appointment today, I'll just tell them that this was taken last June, so almost a year ago. Market was at a much different place then. And even if it was at the moment, we still always kind of take assessed with a grain of salt. We'll evaluate it on our own with what's sold and what's active that's comparable. And then in the appointment, I'd be going over those sales and those active listings. But yeah, I usually bring it up. So that might be why I feel like less clients bring it up to me. What do we think the problem is in, in terms of why people in their minds have so much value on assessed value? Because it's the, they feel like it should be right because it's what they're getting taxed and it's what the government's telling them. Like I, I, I feel like they... I think it's because they're only option. They have n mm -hmm. like, w what else? Yeah, they don't have any what other What else are input. they given that says your home is now worth this this year? Nothing at all. Right. 
It's the only thing in writing. Yes, they're mm-hmm. getting taxed on it, so they assume it's somewhat correct. And someone has done research, which newsflash, no one's doing research. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, it's uh, like a square. Spitting up numbers. Average, based on your year. Sure, Square your place footage. is worth this. Doesn't look at if you have a 400 square foot patio versus someone who doesn't have a patio. Doesn't look at your view versus someone who doesn't have a view. But Denny, I just put $400,000 into my property. Into your reno? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely doesn't take that into oh. account. Okay. So, <clears throat> so I have to say, geez, I have so many things to say about assessed value. Holy cow. Yeah, throw it out. Even like up. looking on the buy side. Yeah. So on the sell side, in, the, in a slower market, everyone wants assessed value, which again, to me, I don't even, I hold 0% of what a property is worth on assessed value. Then on the buy side, people are like, well, I want to look at the assessed value and work off of that. But the assessed value might be 10% high, might be 15% high, might be 3% low. So I like looking at sales. What has sold? Not what someone working at the government office that is now proposing all these ridiculous taxes that make no difference in our industry. What I, I don't want to base my value of what a property is worth on someone who's sitting at a desk drawing a square saying, what's everything sold, taking an average price per square foot, your place is worth this. I want to see what is actually sold in a neighborhood. These are the things that have sold in your building. These are the things that have sold next door to you. Here's what the value is. I still don't really understand assessed value. How do we explain it to people? How do we explain it to clients? That's usually when I look over it. Because that's the problem. Everyone's like, well, what should I be working off of assessed value? Like what percentage? I don't get that question much though. When people are buying? Oh, sorry. When you're buying. When people are buying, they look at the assessed value. They'll say, oh, it's listed at $599. The assessed value is $560. I should be paying $550. Okay, then what are buyers saying? Buyers don't look at assessed value? Maybe they do, and but that's not the conversation I'm having with them. What are you having? I mean, the conversation I'm having with them is looking at what's going on in the area. Like I would Market similar, value. Market correct. value. Yeah. But that's the conversation I'm having with them. And, and I'm sure that the assessed value comes up quite a bit to others. But mm-hmm. What percentage of... Buyers. Assessed value is it associated with market value. Go. Monica. <laughs> Zero. Unless they call one of us, which they do, and then we tell them. <laughs> so they take our word for it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I use zero, and I would say zero. Sean. Lucas. Negative 10. Good answer. Carl. That was a zero Carl, if you couldn't you, hear. <laughs> <laughs> Carl, if you were to sell your one-bedroom condo right now, would you look at the assessed value? What value, what advice would you take? But he's biased, though, because he knows what's going no, on. No, he now. doesn't like me very much. No, but he's smart. He'd look at the market. Recent sales. You would think that makes more sense. You would. <clears throat> Let me ask you this question. When a when we have a listing, which we've got quite a few right now. How many do we have? Because we go on a lot of listing appointments. <laughs> <laughs> I think we we cracked thirty a couple weeks ago. I think we we're at 30, 30, 33, 34. Or 34 or Again, this is not a sales pitch at all. 
Sean at gdrealestate.ca. <laughs> and we are not sponsored by Steel and Oak again. S H A W N. Often in negotiations, anyway, when I'm Monica seems to be contradicting most of what I say this afternoon. She likes to fight. When we have listings and we have someone offer on our listing and an agent calls us and says, Oh, it's listed way too high. The assessed value is this. What is our response to an agent that brings up an assessed value? I usually just ask him what was the last sale. That's it. And what is their response to that? They sometimes don't know. Exactly. I'd say they often don't know. Yeah. Yeah. 100% of the time they don't know. So again, we're going to go back to my my numbers of 15,000 something agents in Greater Vancouver Year ago, now to fourteen thousand two hundred. A lot of realtors are lazy. Mm-hmm. Assessed value is an easy thing to look at because it's on Paragon. Paragon is our MLS system for realtors. You can type in the address, and there's a section. There's literally a button. It's a red T, and you click on it, and it shows the assessed value. It's a tax report. So it's really easy to find out what the assessed value is. <laughs> it takes slightly, slightly minimal longer. more time, <laughs> minimal more time Type in to look at what the recent sales in the neighborhood are or in the building. But a lot of people don't spend that extra time to look at it. So assessed value is an easy thing to pull up. Let's say, oh, well, it's listed at $599. The assessed value is $575. We offered $570. What is the, what do those conversations look like? Because it's a little bit of a balance between thanks so much for your offer. We are looking forward to working with you versus like do a little bit of research, please. I think those conversations are quite funny because they'll send the offer based on the assessment, but then I'll send a counter based on recent sales. <laughs> because we've because we've shown them the sales. And that's exactly what it is. I mean, it, and it's great. I encourage all offers to come in, no matter high or how high or how low they are. But I mean, that, that's the truth of the matter is if there's a comparable property that recently sold and they're showing something that's other than what the assessed value is, that's the number you have to go with. The assessed value is just there to bit tax you on the property. When it also brings up, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I'm, when I'm trying to get more work out of a realtor, if I'm on the listing end, they're trying to buy. Um, I just tell them, "Hey, man, I want to work with you." Or woman, man, or woman. Yeah, we don't discriminate. Hey, person. Yeah. Hey, person who is a realtor. Yeah. Um, I I want to work with you. You just sent me an offer, and you literally said, "Find my offer attached," and that's the email. Give me something. Give me something that I can bring to my sellers to make them see why you're at where at where you're at. And if they're just saying assess, like I just try to encourage them that I want more from you so that I can make this happen and work with my seller and have them work with you rather than just tell them they're lazy or why are you looking at the assessed value? That's not relevant. That's not what we use. I'll still let them know that I'm basing it off of market, but I'll try to just encourage them to please give us more evidence so it can help their case with my seller kind of thing. So that's my way of kind of politely telling them to work harder. All right. Lucas. I cannot remember what I was going to ask. What I was going to say. What was the question? It was really good. It was good. But what was the question again? <laughs> I just assessed mesmerized value. by it. When agents bring up assessed value. 
in the offers. Mm. <laughs> you know on. what? You know what my favorite line is? I'm going to share this. The biggest... Because it can be useful for all four of you. Carl, you too, man. When you decide to sell your condo, if you don't use Sean... <laughs> I don't know why he wouldn't use me, but he knows. He <laughs> this knows happened today. Email. This he happened knows. today in an elevator. We're going up the elevator to see the unit. Client has not my client. A buyer hasn't even seen the unit yet for one of our listings, and she says, "What was the? I can't remember the exact line." She said something like, uh, "She's like, well, it's priced a much higher than the assessed value," and I looked at her, and I know what the assessed value is. But I looked at her and I was like, I honestly don't even know what the assessed value is, but I can give you the last four sales in the building if you'd like those. She's like, oh, all right. You know, it just kind of like throws yeah. them off. Like this mysterious number that just comes out of the air onto a computer system from this formula that is thrown out to make, like to charge people taxes because it would be absolutely ridiculous to waste taxpayers' money on someone going and inspecting an exact home finding an appraised value anyway that's my line good line you're gonna use that one i'm gonna use that thank you thank you and we are done we're gonna end on a high note no i'm just kidding uh here's a question from a uh very excited listener oh hold on what happened uh no it's not actually they're all alex <laughs> they're all alex just sitting here that's not true not listening are there any specific clients you prefer to work with? Fun right. clients. Answer this carefully, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to answer? So okay. I prefer to work with sweet people. 100%. I like all people yeah. that are sweet. Yeah. I like curious people. You like? I like curious people. I like people that like to take chances. <laughs> what does that mean? Really different word. Curious. Curious. Like people that are just, I just thought about that. They have, they have questions. They have questions okay. about everything. That's okay. completely fine. Okay, I think we attract though clients that we, we like. I, like. That's the biggest thing. Maybe you saying, know what, that, I, maybe I, that's the way to interpret this question is what type of client do we attract? Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing is like a lot of our clients, I don't know the percentage, but I would say let's just say high eighties are finding us through social media and through our ways that we're marketing through that's new. That's a very high number. Why? The number from high, last high year, 80s. internet and social media leads was about 35%. But then I was going to say newsletters, flyers, and other areas in the city, no? We're, we're a high, high amount of SOI, I'd say, too. What's like SOI? Your, like SOI. Sphere of influence. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that's high. I know the exact number. It's roughly 35%. For what? Internet that sounds like an exact number. Roughly 35. Roughly 35%. <laughs> 35.77. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. But Lucas, you're saying we attract the type of client we want. To- I think we attract the, the clients, see us, and they work with us because of who we are and what we're bringing to the table. They trust us. And I love working with people who are very similar to me, have the same likes as me who I can create a relationship that's not going to be just based on them buying or selling this, but something down the road. That's my favorite. Client. I think that's a cool, big thing to mention is real estate is set is a very emotional transaction for a lot of the people that we work with that are either upsizing, downsizing, wherever we're at, wherever they're going on the spectrum. It's really cool to build relationships with people around that. And we spend a lot of time with people 
maybe in a short amount of time, if you're selling your home, it might be 30 days or 45 days, but we're spending a lot of those 45 days communicating with people. I'm selling Lauren's brother's condo right now. And I talk to Lauren's brother a lot more than I talk to Lauren. Correct. Which is kind of cool actually. Cause he's sweet, <laughs> but it's like, it's a pretty intimate relationship that you build with people because you're communicating so often and it's a very emotional, um, huge transaction in their life. I find that all of us are pretty good to navigate those type of emotional journeys per se. I mean, all of us are pretty calm. All of us are pretty laid back. All of us are actually pretty fun to hang out with. That's why we always come together after work whenever we have time. So, I mean, I think Lucas is right. This type of stuff we put on social media is just kind of a reflection of our own lives. You know, we're not the people I keep posting listings and sales, listings and sales. You know, we like to give a glimpse of who we are and what we do. And I think we attract those type of people. So, I mean, I like to think we're fun and easy to work with. And those are the type of clients we like working with. Sean, I'd like you to evaluate Lucas right now. Who is Lucas and what does he do? That's a really good question. The whiskey comes to mind. You have 30 seconds. Long Long in whiskey. That's all that comes to mind. Long 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 runs in whiskey. Long runs. Long runs in whiskey. Yeah. You like your long runs in whiskey. I do celebrate all my sales with whiskey. That makes sense. Should we take one more question from the audience here? Sure. I'd like to also say 35% through social media is a very high figure. That's, that's, I wasn't, that's I wasn't, uh, I wasn't, so, I didn't mean, I mean, that's a high amount of overall I didn't business mean, generated. 35 is a, that's a significant amount. I didn't amount. mean social media as the whole. I was talking about the way we prospect. So if we bring all our leads, our leads are coming on like are ridiculous and we got to be one of the only teams that you open your phone and there's, Hey, I want to sell my home tomorrow. Okay, great. Here we for, go. For realtors out there, it's very difficult to track leads that come specifically from social media. So we group them in internet leads. So like website, social media, whatever. And that number is 35 to 40%. That's a huge number. It's a huge number. So it's the difference between us being steady this year and us feeling extremely slow like a lot of agents locally are. Yeah. I mean, it's that's, online presence for sure. Internet. It's like always almost, running. That's like 40 to 50 deals right there off our social media. That's huge. They said that a, a regular agent, I think this stat was given a few years ago, you know, a normal agent does about six deals a year. If we look at the numbers that we're doing, we're doing almost 20 to 30 deals each a year. I would say the average agent's going to do three to four this year. And we're still going to do close to 20 this like year. That, that number that you were pulling up before of 15,000 realtors, that's now at what? 14,000? 14,200 something. That's going to hit 13. It'll go under 14 for sure this year. I just yeah. don't, uh, like, I, I don't know how how many people are going to say, see you later. I just did the licensing course when I, like, a again? year ago. No, a year ago. And when I did it, they, it was like. Did you do it again? It's, let's say, let, let's say it was 14,700. Like so and they said 7,400 did one or more sale. 4,300 did two or more sales. Yeah, in a calendar year. Yeah, but you get that too, though. You thirty like, percent did only two deals. Correct. So, but here's a here's you guys noticing now though, as you're getting more experience in what we're doing, that when an offer comes in, you can instantly tell how long this agent's been or how busy this agent is mm-hmm. in what they're doing, and you can 
figure that out. And at that point, I can now guide that agent into the direction I need them to go. Like, I feel like it's a life hack or it's a real estate hack. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but I'll get an offer need, on something like I, a listing. I would say we're experienced beyond our years because of yeah. how many transactions we get in a short amount of time. Yeah. But what does that do for us, though? Exactly that. You can just spot and like pinpoint things like that. Rather than if we were a newbie, we'd be like, oh, it's all the same. But yeah. we're like, oh, this guy's on it. This guy's not. He probably doesn't do a lot. He probably does. I think not only are we able to spot issues, we're able to innovate as well on the spot. And I think that's a huge one for us. Innovate. Please elaborate. Well, oh. way, like I mentioned before, we're benchmarking. We're trying to find the best practices for the different types of clauses we can put into contracts. I mean, Denny came up with a really awesome one just a few weeks ago when I was asking him, like, probably because of all those listing apartments. Well, that's yeah, that's what it is. I mean, <laughs> why not ask for a decoration allowance? I didn't realize we could ask that for non pre-sales. I didn't know that. That's innovative. That's awesome. That helps our clients out. I mean, I think that's a huge key of it is having experience, which is huge, having knowledge, which is awesome, but being able to innovate as well by using the experience we have, creating something new. And I think that's what becomes the next standard. We become better. Our standards just keep getting better and higher and higher. I think people outside of the industry don't understand how complex a contract is. It's now, what, eight pages? It's a lot more complex than just filling in the, someone's name and a number. <clears throat> and so you can be very creative in the way that you word terms to favor a client. But people that haven't done hundreds of transactions don't know the wording or ways to make it more beneficial for your client like that. And that's huge because our duty is to our clients. So if we can't help them better, somebody else can stop. <laughs> this is a professional environment. Yeah. I know. Sorry. I yeah, put that beer down. Okay. Last question. Um, we can kind of elaborate a little bit more on this, but the question is for a first time home buyer, where is the value for long-term investment? But we can maybe yeah, the first time home buyer. Did you say that? Yeah. But let's maybe just go outside of that and say, where is, uh, what are our thoughts or advice to people when they say, not so concerned about the layout, not so concerned about the finishes. I want to make a good real estate investment. I'm just going to speak to my age, the below 30 year olds uh, out there. Cause I get a lot of, he just really wanted to say that he's the only person under 30 on our team. I'm like, not proud of that. I'm not proud. That's I feel like that's a black sheep in the industry because I'm a young guy. So I'm not like, yeah. Anyway, anyways, um, because you just I got a shave cul-de-sacs in your head like me. <laughs> yeah. It, it gets you some good mileage. It's why the beard, it's why the beard came in. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I, I have a lot of people asking me who are on my age. They're not in the market yet. They're like, you know, like, what do I do? Do I buy a condo now? Do I buy a pre-sale now? Or do I save up later and buy a home? And the advice I've gotten and, you know, what I've also learned through the industry, but James, one of our, uh, obviously on our team. He's the uh, runner. He runs longer than all yeah, of us. Yeah, he, he's the that. real fire runner. And even, in even before I got <laughs> into the industry, lots of clients I met in my previous business um, who were very well off just said, the earlier you can get into real estate, just get in as soon and as small as you can and go up from there. Um, so for under 30 years old, it's I, I wouldn't say wait and save until you can own a home because that's crazy. 
And, you know, lenders prefer you if you do have some mortgages under your belt. So it's just <clears throat> getting a couple of good years of stable income under you, saving up for a down payment. Those are the biggest barriers and get in. That's the best investment is if you can afford, if pre-sale is most affordable for you, sure, do it. If you can get in a condo right away that you can rent out and continue renting your own place or you can live in, great. Just start building some sort of equity and that over long term is going to be your best move rather than waiting on the sidelines for a bigger purchase. Monica, looks like she uh, has some disagreeing <laughs> points here. I do disagree a little bit, not on everything. Yes, get into real estate if you can and if you've got the cash and you're approved. But to answer the question about finishes and what type of property to get into, I'd say pre-sale is a great idea. If if you can scrape together the budget to get a newer build, that's a concrete building, for example, don't just hop in and buy a 70-year-old condo because that's all you can afford. I would buy something newer. I'd buy something that is a one bedroom instead of a two bedroom if it's beca- if it's in a concrete building if if you can afford a two bedroom I would also get it in in a structure that's more popular in a more desirable area instead of getting a townhouse that's like if say for example your budget $700,000 don't buy a townhouse out you know maybe in the middle of nowhere just because that's what you can afford I would get like maybe a two bedroom and a building without rental restrictions or that allows pets or, you know, has a good contingency fund. Like there's those things that I would consider if I was telling somebody to jump into a market. I, I didn't mean buy just anything. I meant still make a good purchase, but no, yeah. I know, yeah. And, but and, and, and yeah, you're all, everything Monica said is absolutely right. I didn't elaborate enough, but yeah, hundred percent. Monica's from Texas, oh. Texas, correct? I went to high school and college in Texas. Yes. Do you have a gun on you? <laughs> yes. Oh, boy. It's not legal in BC, man. <laughs> you can't carry a gun around. Uh, thoughts? Lucas? Sean? Uh, every situation is different, obviously. But a first-time homebuyer, are they buying a condo, a townhouse, or a house? Is Where do they want to live? Are they looking to Overall. Lucas live never in it? Like it? it? Overall. <laughs> Broad spectrum. I someone I'm, says I'm thinking about purchasing real estate. It's my first purchase. Yeah, but what, I'm what should I be focused the, on? I'm, I'm not. Gonna, I'm not considered. I'm not worried about layout finishes. What should I be focused on? What's going to make me? What's the best investment long term? Are you going to live in it or rent it? Let's say both. They plan to live in it for a couple of years, but they want the option to or rent move in there. first or rent after or rent first or move in first. This is too See, specific. That's what I'm we're saying. But it's, it's, it's a very, that is correct. It is very it, specific. It's a very specific generalize. In my opinion, I honestly think that if people were like, and I want, I'm not the same, I don't do it myself, but, and I, I would love to, is that I feel that people should rent out what they own and rent where they live. At the end of the day, if you want to make a long-term investment, stay where you are, pay your $1,100 a month. If you are lucky enough to get that, stay in that. In Chilliwack, apparently, 1100 a month? There's, where you, are you, you living? You would be surprised, but I can't specifically tell you the address because we have a listing in it that the neighbor right across from us is paying $1,300 a month for a two-bedroom, two-bathroom overlooking the Fraser River. That's the biggest there? clue. They've been there for five years now. Exactly. 
Exactly. So would you not tell this person? So your advice would be go back in time, rent something no. for thirteen hundred a month. I'm just saying this. I'm, I'm not going to answer. I, I, I am not going to be able to answer that question without a ton of follow up questions. Okay, I have some general thoughts. John, you go first. That <clears throat> sounded very. He's on my. He's on my board too, right? No. Oh, okay. So let me start off with pre sales. First thought there's going John's through. never the one to be like, no, I'm not ready to talk yet. I'm going to listen to what everyone else has to say first. I do though. You, I no, do. no, no. I thought you were thinking. Did I already put my email out there, or should I do now? Or? It's Sean S H But you're saying just buy. Obviously, it's just get into the market. Great, get in the market. Well, I think. So here's the thing. So just to touch on pre-sales, back in the day, and what I mean by back in the day is maybe four or five years ago. You know, there was discounts on pre-sales that are cheaper than what the currently listed homes were going for. So I mean, back then, yeah, pre-sales were great. Um, one thing that I would recommend looking at is assignments. Sometimes assignment sales are actually selling less than what the developer is selling the current units for. So you may be able to snag a really good deal for an assignment sale. You know, it also opens up the doors for different neighborhoods. Are developers allowing assignments that are less though? I've seen some that are less than really? the original purchase price. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. then what they're currently advertising units at if they have leftover units? As far as I know, because there's one on West King Edward that. and Canby. Um, just across the street from the SkyTrain, that uh, original I think was around one million eighty-eight, and the person has the assignment up for nine eighty-eight. So interesting, yes. So I mean, look for assignments because people are desperate to sell because they know they can't close or they won't be living in the country when they sell um, or when they close. Uh, the other thing is land has always been something that I've been fond of, and I think land always appreciates a lot more than attached living. And I could be wrong in specific cases, but Generally speaking, if you can afford land, a single detached home is the best way to go. And now if that's not affordable. But likely a first time home buyer, <clears throat> this question is not <clears throat> jumping into a Exactly. House. And there's possibilities of getting 5% down. So, I mean, if you, you still, could put, what's 5% on 5%. a million and a half? Or it could be 850, right? So, I mean, it could be the same as 20% on something else, maybe around 500,000, whatever, like it's something similar to that. So, I mean, it, that will give you an idea that, you know, you could put a smaller percentage down and afford a single detached house. That's what I would sway you towards if you're comfortable taking that risk. If you're not comfortable taking the risk, then find something within your means. This could be a one-bedroom apartment, like Monica had mentioned, in a building that allows rentals. And like Lucas mentioned, you know, there's going to be follow-up questions. Be prepared to answer those because we'll be able to help direct you in the perfect direction. <laughs> I always talk about with new buyers that are unfamiliar with real estate investing or purchasing. My first question is always like, what lifestyle do you want to live? What, what lifestyle are you comfortable with? Do you want to travel three times a year? Do you want to go out for dinner three nights a week? Like what is, what's the extra cash flow that you need on top of your living expenses to live the lifestyle that you want? Re like reverse engineer that to, okay, I have this much to spend on housing per month and purchase in that means like if you're there's no point stretching yourself to the absolute max if a mortgage broker says you can get a mortgage for five hundred thousand or a million dollars do you really need to spend that much money on housing likely not because for me anyway one of the biggest stresses in my life is financial stress is it weighs on you the most and so if people are stretching themselves every single month i think that 
has a negative effect on their lifestyle. So I'd say reverse engineer where you want to live and what you want to live in based on the lifestyle that you want to live. And then put that into real estate. Doesn't mean you have to buy if that's renting. What? Helga? What's her name? Pamela. Pamela. Pamela, her printer. Pamela, her printer is (laughs) a little bit temperamental. She wanted to make it printing stuff out of nowhere. Uh, So once you have, from my perspective, once you have those numbers clearly outlined where your lifestyle will be able to align with where you're living and what you're living in, then buy in the best location that you can possibly buy in. And I think that's what affordable is. I think you just summed up affordable. Mm, I don't know mm, about that. Mm-mm. Yeah, based on your lifestyle, that's affordable. It depends uh, if so, you're talking about affordable for yourself or affordable in general. For that lifestyle. For that lifestyle. When you call this is affordable, affordable <clears throat> you're you. talking about this is affordable for you. If you say for you, but if you just say that clock is affordable, anyone can afford it. <laughs> Well, looking at the clock, I think anybody can afford it. (laughs) The the clock's not even screwed into the wall. My God. Everybody can afford that clock. It's actually a free clock. Everybody can pick it up. 630 5th Street. (laughs) Come pick up this clock. It's for free. I will flip that. Back to my real real valid point here. I think I I had a lot going here. But Adam interrupted it. (laughs) I think uh, a lot of real estate investors and realtors say... Best location, best location. Try to get into Vancouver, get a Vancouver address, or be as close to Vancouver as possible. Figure out your lifestyle, reverse engineer, figure out what you want to spend per month, buy in the best location based on what you want to spend per month so that you can live the lifestyle that you want to live. I want to hike in the summer. I want to drink a couple beers. Probably not steal an oak, though. You want Because they under- don't sponsor you us. Want, you want to live underneath the Patolo. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I'm just joking. It's not good for hiking. It's close to Steel and Oak, but it's not good for hiking. I don't know. I'm super confused. Well, actually, where would you live, Denny? <laughs> where would I live? Yeah, where would you live? <clears throat> What's so, your budget? Was what? <clears throat> if your budget was one million, where would you live? Uh, I am unique. I think I oh. am. Denny, Denny's way. gonna live. Oh, in I never hope. said in a good way. <laughs> I just said, let's say different. Uh, I love views. I need a view. And so if I had a million bucks, I would probably, again, lifestyle, meaning for me, work is a bunch of my lifestyle. So commute is important. North Van would be probably up there, but the commute is too long and I can't deal with that bridge because it's crazy. And Carl knows what I'm talking about because he was working in North Van this week. So I would say number one, Olympic Village area because it's close enough to the suburbs where a lot of our work is, obviously. So we, it's not crazy commute. Um, I really like Brentwood. I live in Brentwood right now. Just doesn't have as good views as Olympic Village. For a million bucks, you can get a pretty cool condo with a decent view looking at the water in Science World and the mountains. Very cool. Monica, how about yourself? Where would you live if you had a million? Microphone. Well, I live in Port Moody and I have a million dollar view, so I'm really happy where I am. I also <laughs> really love Port Moody. Oh. So Port <laughs> Moody. Mic drop. I would like to I love Drop Port Moody. Mic. I think Port Moody is on a 
fantastic trajectory to to becoming like one of the coolest suburb cities in Greater Vancouver, if not the coolest. Uh, it's just a touch far. So yes, the SkyTrain's there. Yes, it's accessible. Driving far, far out what? of Port Moody sucks. So I live in Port Moody and Lucas lives in Port Moody and we work here. And it's like New West is so accessible from Port Moody, I feel like. But you're late for our team meetings probably two out of four weeks. I'm never late. I'm never late. You're the meeting. Oh, okay. I'm never late to our meetings. What do you want from me? But at the same time, Sean is late, and Sean lived literally lives three minutes away. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm never late. I plan I still accordingly. Need to learn how to time it. Are you late, Lucas? Just show up Are you five late? Minutes early. I used to be late. You literally yeah. live five minutes away. Oh. It depends. Like I, I <laughs> and there's I, no traffic. It's so all busy. back streets. It's very specific. Yeah, it's very specific. I had a. I, I'm either early or on time. I am never late. I've been late maybe once in five months well out of the two port moody people 50 percent of you're late <laughs> no oh my God. i love port moody it's worth every penny and all of our fines that we get from denny for being late it's fine can we end on monica's laugh because it's hilarious <laughs> hey monica what did i say there okay I was just what hey what notes are you guys does. writing down what was that it's fine right it's zero to here with Denny and Sean. It's us. Denny and Sean, come on now. <laughs> I had some good answers, all right? You got the laugh. We got the laugh. Ended on that. I would honestly, from right now, because I'm I'm focused on trying to be able to get myself into that million dollar property. I want to be in Port Moody. I want to be on the water. I want to, I know it's not going to be a million. It's going to be more, quite but bit. yeah, yeah well, not necessarily quite a bit. If I was to pull the trigger now, there's a few anyways. Um, but I would stay in Port Moody. I love it. I loved the North shore. I lived in Lynn Valley for a couple of years. My wife is from the North shore. We, we need to be by the trails, by the mountains, by the ocean, we have a dog. We breweries, need to take her out. We got to run. Breweries are awesome. Breweries. It's just the lifestyle for me and for us. Like when I get there, I just love it. And the community now is like, I'm starting to see the same people. I go to the breweries. They get to know us. We start chatting with them. Like it's, it's, it's just a sense of community you don't get, in my opinion, if you're, for example, living downtown. I would like to give a shout out to the citizens of Port Moody. Yeah. Because they're pretty cool. It's pretty Everyone's so friendly. 100%. When it, okay. Brewery people in general are pretty friendly. Yeah. But when you're in Port Moody, it's different. People are like excited to meet you and talk to you. Yeah. And introduce their weird looking dog to you. It's <laughs> not only the breweries though. It's a lot of the local businesses. And I think that's, totally. that's, that's a sense of community. I don't know if it's just as I'm getting older, I like the sense of community. I like being able to support local shops and get to know the owners and, and have that conversation with people and I don't know. Hashtag Pomo life. Pomo life? Oh, I do. I was going to say support local, but. <laughs> support local as well, yeah. I mean, that's anywhere you live, right? <laughs> I do. I watch it all the time. Me and Adam were thinking about doing one on Homer Street. Hashtag Homer Street? We have Move a listing on, on Homer. On. Move on. Yeah, we have a listing on Homer. That's why. Homer Cafe. It's, a it's actually a wicked listing. You guys should check it out. All right. 
let's uh, wrap up here. Kind of went off the rails there. Lady and gentlemen, that was, I don't know, what what is the right word? I want to say pleasure, but it was interesting. Well, let's talk to this. Can you, I you can ask one question? Out, right? on? Let's can. ask one question to A, a first-time home buyer okay. who's yet to buy a home, and B, affordability in the city, and C, where would he live if that all came into play, Adam? Affordability. Well, just like, Adam, um, where would what you... What were the three criteria? Well, well yeah. okay. First affordability. Time just ask me the question. That's just your lifestyle mm-hmm. and being a first-time home buyer. Mm-hmm. And what is your What is your professional... Um, what would you tell yourself? If I, if if I you had a million buy, dollars? No, 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 no. I just want to say right now, where, where do you want to live <clears throat> if you could afford to live anywhere? And let's just cap it at like... This is personal. Sit. So this is not a first-time mm-hmm. home buyer. This, this is, is Adam. This is just Adam. In, in my opinion, I would love to hear where he is who's coming from the... The industry, being a realtor, not doesn't own. He rents. He loves West End. Obviously, would he would he stay there? Would he go elsewhere? Based on lifestyle and affordability, and what makes sense in your specific position right now? Based on lifestyle, commute is really important to me. That's the only reason I wouldn't say Deep Cove, or else that would be my one hundred percent answer. Um, because commute is important. One hundred percent answer. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Um, because because that isn't. A good answer for that. I would, I would like, I would like to stay in the area I am yeah. now in the West End. Um, if I were to not be in the West End, uh, New West would just make a lot of sense. And again, that's just because the commute in life. So much of my life yeah. is out here. It's a manageable commute for me, especially being from the prairies where we're used to commutes. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, 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 yeah, that's my main priority. But dream, dream world, deep cove. Deep Cove. Wow. Or once I'm retired. Or I, have, I have a last minute uh, submission here. For oh, a wow. Question. <laughs> From Alex? No. <laughs> I was thinking it would be Alex, too. That's the first thing I thought. No. Have we got any from Alex? Yeah, we got one. His was, uh, his the, was the first time buyer, and where would you suggest that? How would you suggest they invest? Oh, I, thought he, I thought he'd be the race. So does he have a buyer for us? <laughs> Sean is literally all he thinks about his sales. Who would win in a fight? In a fight? Cher or what kind of fight? Dion? Oh, what Alex kind of gave fight? me one of these Hold questions. Hold on. Listen to the question. Oh, I thought that, that was the question. Cher Adam or Lucas? Oh! <laughs> oh, not even. Okay, wow. And this then fight? they go on to say, I think I'd have to take Lattice. Uh, sorry, I think I'd ha- <laughs> Who's Lattice? <laughs> I think I'd have to take Lucas. Oh. The lad is tough, but Adam is strong and young. Oh, fair. Unbelievable. Like, fair. I love you, man, but not even close. Have you seen? So, like, so endurance? Hold on. I'd say, well. But do we talk about Endurance doesn't no, matter you can't in vote. a fight, man. You can't vote. Oh, it's just straight up. Okay. You can't vote. You're in the fight. I'm just saying. You don't know my experience. Or the black belt. Endurance, hope. Lucas. Um, life experience. Lucas. Toss up. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, physical uh, strength, Adam. Yeah. It depends what the fight is. Is the fight like it a fist crush six okay. beers, so or I, is it like a? Is it like a? No. Well, I, when I when I is hear fight, fight, I think it's a, a fight, not like just an arm wrestle. I, I so Alex once asked me who would win in a fight, me, you, or James. Hold on, and to that. Adam's taking this super serious. Yeah, no, <laughs> this is a joke, by the way. 
And to that, <laughs> I put a fun fact. So Alex did actually. Fun fact. Yeah, we'll, come, we'll come back to that. I had a fight on TV. Nice. What, like a real fight or a filmed fight? Like an no, acting fight? No, Muay Thai, kickboxing. Nice. Fight on TV. What nice. Thai? Muay Thai. I know what I'm capable I of. I was Muay I'm Thai. I'm so comfortable. Fun fact. <laughs> kickboxing. Muay Thai. Muay Thai. Not Muay. Muay. No. Muay Thai. Muay Thai. Muay Thai. Muay. 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 Okay. Still confident. Um, <laughs> Alex asked me, you, me, James, who wins in a fight? I had to clarify, is this a fight to the death or a fight to <laughs> submission? <laughs> and, are weapons, so and are weapons involved? I said, if weapons are involved, I think you might have the upper hand because you are very skillful and tactile. <laughs> basketball, uh, basketball, shooting a projectile, golf, hitting something. I think you'd be good with weapons in hand. If it was to the death, I think James would win. Just James to the death. He would win. And if it was to submission, I he's think I'd win. He's got bad knees, though. To I the heard, death, he'd find a way. I really do I think. I heard he's running back to Canada. He's like halfway across the <laughs> <Russia. laughs> And and if it was submission, I said I'd win. I'd win based on size, strength, and just body manipulation. But that's that's how I broke that down. Lucas, sorry, bud. I think I'd take you. Pretty sure I'd take you. I don't know about that. I think Monica's laugh wins in all (laughs) competitions, always. All right. I'm just glad nobody's fighting me. Great job. I hate altercations. Let's end this in the way that we end our Tuesday morning meetings. Punk. How do we end them? Shut <laughs> up! <laughs> what? At uh, 10.30 a.m. Our Tuesday morning meetings are at 8.30, just for the record. Oh, my God. How do we end our Tuesday meetings? I'm not totally sure. Yeah, we, we, all, uh, we all eventually leave at some point, so Monica, go first. And good talk. Awesome. Thanks for having us here tonight. Yeah. Sean, you're absolutely welcome. And if anyone has real estate-related questions, Sean... S-H-A-W-N at gdrealestate.ca I never heard the intro. And break. <laughs> <laughs>